الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولولا إذ سمعتموه قلتم ما يكون لنا أن نتكلم بهذا سبحانك هذا بهتان عظيم صدق الله العظيم Most respected students of deen, brothers and sisters The ayat of the Quran Sharif that was recited This ayat pertains to a particular incident that happened in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam this was the occasion on which it was revealed though the lesson is for all times the incident is that which pertains to sayyida aisha radhiyallahu ta'ala anha ummul mu'minin our mother and the mother of the believers Hazrat Aisha Siddiqa radiyallahu ta'ala anha was a person of very very great position and status she had tremendous qualities and among the qualities she had was that she had a heart which was as we say a very very big heart a very big heart when a person has a big heart then that big hearted person is happy when a person has a small heart obviously the small and big is not in reference to the physical size of the heart but it is the bigness of the person's character it's the akhlaq of the heart it's the generosity of the heart the generosity in its very broad sense so the thing is that she was a person who had a very big heart very big heart on a material level monetary level then this too was really ajeeb there are incidents which we hear repeatedly in the taleem etc when in the latter times when there was much wealth pouring into madina munawwara and many people had been blessed with much wealth so Aisha Siddiqa radiyallahu anha used to receive sometimes very big gifts from various people and sometimes 70,000 dirhams somebody is sending to her to, as a gift that gift re- reaches her in the morning and she gets people to distribute it give so much to this poor person and so much to that poor person and before the end of the day that 70,000 dirhams are all distributed and at the end of the day the maid servant is saying to her that had you kept one dirham we could have bought some meat for iftar you are fasting today and there is nothing to eat but if you had saved one dirham then we could have bought one some meat for your iftar 
So Aisha Nana's answer, simple answer to her is, <clears throat> that if you spoke earlier, we could have done it. What's the use speaking about it now? Now she is the one who's fasting, and she, they are hoping that they could have made that arrangement for her iftar. She didn't remember that, let me save one dirham for my own iftar, so that the time of breaking the fast, I will have something better to eat, some meat to eat. She forgot her own fast. Meaning not forgot in that sense, forgot to keep something for herself, because her mind didn't go to that, that I should keep something for myself. She distributed that entire amount, not that she had a few million kept aside. She didn't have enough money to buy one piece of meat for herself. Now who can do this? And this is not for everybody to try and uh, emulate in that manner, to try and copy that same amal in that manner, because we will spend everything and we will cry. And we start begging from others. They had that kind of tawakkul. And that level of ikhlas and tawakkul. So that after everything was spent, it didn't bother her in the least, but that there's nothing now. She just tells the maidservant, if you spoke earlier, you could have saved something. Now you're speaking, what's are you speaking about it now? And that was the end of the story. But that was her big-heartedness in terms of spending. And once when her nephew, Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiallahu an, when he, uh, well, this was regarding her sister was just as generous, and in fact, Aisha radiallahu anha, when he had said that, look, she's spending too much, we need to bring some restrictions. Aisha was so upset about this, that she said, I won't speak to him anymore. This was how deeply upset she was, that he's becoming a hurdle in generosity. Generosity is something which is a, it's a quality of iman. And he is going to become a hurdle in this quality of iman being upheld and practiced. I won't tolerate this. So this was the type of person she was. This is one, one angle of big heartedness. One angle of big heartedness is in this manner. In terms of spending for the cause of deen, spending on the poor, on the needy, spending on the less fortunate, somebody is in, is in some difficulty, spending on them. So that too is something very greatly loved by Allah Ta'ala and very greatly rewarded. But there's another angle to her, another aspect of big-heartedness. In fact, that is linked to, we started off on this ayat, which is linked to an incident that happened pertaining to her, and it just so happens that all these other aspects too, which are coming by the way, will pertaining to this incident also. That the incident that happened very briefly to first just mention the incident, is the well-known incident of the ifk. Ifk in Arabic means the slander. Aisha Siddiqah was slandered. Now we don't need to go into the details of that slander, but basically a very, very serious slander was leveled against her. Totally false rumor was spread around. This was the mischief of the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. And they had circulated the slander. And it was a very serious matter. For one month, no wahi came to Rasulullah with regard to this issue. And therefore, Nabi Salaam himself was very, very perturbed 
and he consulted various Sahaba, what should be done, what can be done to get to the bottom of this matter. And as Aisha Siddiqah for a while wasn't aware what's going on, what is being spoken about, and eventually when she did come to know, it was such a shock for her that she fell unconscious as soon as she heard it. In fact, it's in the narration of Bukhari Sharif, where her mother, Hazrat Umm Ruman, anha, she says when Hazrat Aisha came to know about what is being spoken about her, kharrat makhshiyan alayha. She fell unconscious. And when she regained consciousness, the only thing she could do was cry. And in the narration of Bukhari Sharif also, this is mentioned, that Aisha herself says, that she came to know about this whole incident, what people are speaking, right towards the tail end of that one month. And when she came to know about it, from the time she regained consciousness after she initially heard it and fell unconscious, she didn't sleep one wink and she didn't stop crying. This was two nights and one day in a row. In other words, it was like almost going on to 48 hours. Going on to almost 48 hours in a row. Can we imagine non-stop a person hasn't slept and didn't stop crying because it was such a shock to her. Can a person, can, can somebody be speaking this about me? Now it was such a shock, such a severe thing. Nabi Islam was so pained by it. Can we imagine how pained her parents were? And she was obviously the person who was now being made the target of this, who was the victim of this slander. So what she went through, and being the noble and the chaste wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So, in any case, eventually, the wahi came to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and ten ayats of the Quran Sharif were revealed, which explained what a noble person she is, what a chaste person she is, what great qualities she has, and once these ayat of the Quran Sharif were revealed, then. She, obviously, the truth was now made clear to everybody. Among the people who got caught up in this rumor mongering, meaning in spreading, in passing on this rumor, it was started off by the munafiqeen. They were up to this mischief. But this is what happens. Many a times, this is what happens. Somebody said something, somebody did something, somebody mentioned something to somebody else, somebody went somewhere, Somebody, whatever it is, there's so many unlimited possibilities and occurrences that what somebody did or what somebody said or what somebody went and where they did what. Now many a times, there is a valid explanation to it. There is an innocent explanation to it. Meaning, whatever somebody did, whatever they said, they didn't have any negative intent. They said something, they were sincerely saying something uh, without having anything else in mind. That I want to try and score points against that person, or I want to run that person, that other person down, or I want to uh, just take some revenge in some way against somebody. Nothing. Their mind was absolutely clear of anything. They were saying something which was totally unrelated to anything about anybody else. But, now somebody heard it, 
they started reading into it. As we many times say, people say, they, if you read between the lines, but between the lines there's blank spaces, there's nothing there. Now they're reading between the lines. What they're reading? They're reading what's in their mind. They're reading between the lines what is already lurking in their own hearts. They're reading what is their own badgumani, their suspicions. Now that person read his own suspicions between the lines. And now he's read those suspicions. He made that as a fact. After he made that as a fact, he passed it on to the next person. You see, so and so, he said this. Why he said it? Because of that issue that we had. And because of that issue, now he's saying this. And he's telling so and so that. Now that second person, he passed it on to the third person. You see this person here? Uh, what a mean person he is. That issue happened 20 years ago. His grandfather and that person's grandfather couldn't see eye to eye. Now, because this person's great-grandfather now, or grandfather had a problem with the other person's grandfather, now he's taking it out on his children. He's now trying to undermine them. This person had a business deal, he came and now he said something else. Meanwhile, that person didn't even know there was any offer to purchase here. He just came and he saw a child selling something, and now he didn't know anything, but somebody saw this, they came and said, child, this person wants to come and buy here, why he wants to buy this? We already made an offer. Now, that was wrong if the person knew that there's an offer to buy and somebody has made such an offer, now he should wait. If that person doesn't purchase it, he can go ahead and put his offer. But he knows somebody's offer is pending, he should not make such, an, such a move. But he didn't know anything. And the seller didn't say anything. But now, where this went away, it went away to their grandfather's problem. That their grandfather's 40 years ago, they couldn't see eye to eye, something happened. Now, this is the reason. That's why he's doing this. Now he's trying to just cut us out because of our grandfathers. Now that went to the next person and the third person. Now they got all the grandchildren of both families involved because now our great-grandfathers had a problem. Now therefore, now these people are making it a problem. So now the great-grandchildren started fighting. Out of what? Out of one person reading the blank spaces. And what he read in the blank spaces, he read his own badgumani, his own suspicions, his own negative thoughts that are keep turning in his heart. And what it led to, it led to now big problem between so many people. So now, this is the kind of aspect that these munafiqeen did, that they started off this rumor. They started off this slander. But now, unfortunately, one or two people, sincere Muslims, they somehow got caught up in passing on this. They heard it and they made a mistake. The Sahaba did make mistakes sometimes. But when they made a mistake and their mistake was corrected, they immediately accepted correction. And not just accepted correction, they made such repentance and such amends that it covered up for everything beyond whatever had happened. So this was their kamal, this was their achievement. That they were human, they could err, they erred sometimes, some of them did err sometimes, but their mistakes became the means of their moving ahead in such a way that we can't even imagine coming anywhere close. Like the one sahabi made a mistake and he fell into a sin and he himself came to Rasulullah ya Rasulullah, purify me. I made a mistake, but you purify me. Any case, the long story short, 
eventually the command was given that this person will have to be stoned to death. And now while he's being stoned to death, there were two incidents. One was of a woman, similar incident, one was of a man. And that blood spurted out. And somebody said, beware of the blood of the adulterer. And Nabi Islam overheard this. He reprimanded the person who made that comment. He said, you don't know what's here. Whatever happened now is already the past. The chapter has closed. This person has made such a toba that if the toba had to be distributed among all the people of Madina Munawwara, it will suffice for them. Meaning he's gone so close to Allah Ta'ala. And you are still talking in a negative way about him. As far as the command of Allah Ta'ala to what, what punishment has to be meted out, that will be happening. In dunya that will happen. But he's already reached such a proximity to Allah Ta'ala that everybody else, if his toba had to be distributed among them, will suffice for everybody. So, likewise, these people made a mistake. They slipped up, they made a mistake. But after the mistake, they made such amends. And they accepted the mistake as soon as it was pointed out to them wholeheartedly. So, in any case, among the people who slipped up, one of the people was Hazrat Hassan bin Thabit Now, where we digress from, the, the intention was something else, but we just digress from one point to the other. And the point that we digress from, just to keep things going in the sequence that we had started off, we had started off talking about, well, moved on to Hazrat Aisha Siddiqah and what we were actually discussing is her big-heartedness. What a big heart she had. And this was something that was her remarkable quality. One was we understood the incident of how freely she spent in the cause of Allah Ta'ala, the cause of Deen. And then her big-heartedness in other aspects. So now that is what actually we are coming to. And that's what we needed to understand this background for. That this was such a major situation. One of the people who got caught up in this was, was Hazrat Hassan bin Sabit radiallahu ta'ala. Hassan bin Sabit radiallahu he is very well known for being the great poet of Islam. Where he would compose poetry in defense of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa What used to happen is that the mushrikeen in that era, in that time, poetry was on the tip of the tongues of people. They were so eloquent. They had such a mastery of the language. Something happened on the spot. Now, many of them and the bulk of them were illiterate. But their language was so eloquent that if something happened, they would on the spot just express the whole thing in poetic language. A whole poetry. And despite being illiterate, their poetry was of such a level that now somebody wants to study that poetry, he'll have to first study Arabic so much and become a master of Arabic, then he'll understand the poetry. So, they would just say things on the turn in poetic language. Hassan bin Sabit now the Mushrikeen, Allah Ta'ala, protect us, Allah forbid, what they would do is, na'uzubillah, summa na'uzubillah, they would compose poetry against Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Saying hurtful things, and making all kinds of allegations, and all kinds of uh, bad remarks, etc., things that will hurt Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Hassan bin Sabit used to respond to that poetry, with his poetry, and he would, so to say, turn that negative things they said back at them. This he used to do out of love for Rasulullah and out of defense for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
So in any case, <coughs> because this too was a kind of jihad now, that they were attacking Islam and the Muslims and attacking Nabi Wasallam. So this was the arrows being sent back, because this was open war carrying on between the Kuffar and the Muslims at that time. So in any case, Hazrat Hassan bin Sabit was a prominent Sahabi. He somehow also got caught up in this. Eventually, the ayat of the Quran Sharif were revealed. Those who got caught up in this were even, they had to bear some punishment too. But, now, the thing is that when something happens, one is to forgive. MashaAllah, many people forgive. But not everybody forgets. And because they don't forget, meaning they don't want to forget, don't try to forget, don't try to overlook it, from time to time they will bring up the issue. From time to time they will find something to come back at. And as a result it will create new problems. Hassan bin Sabit he made a big mistake. Hazrat Aisha Siddiqah was very, very hurt by this. And as a result, she was obviously in great pain. But in any case, after this incident passed, once Hazrat Hassan bin Sabit he came to the place of Aisha Many Sahaba would come, and from behind the parda, there was all the arrangements of parda in place. She was a great alima of the time. She was the person who had so much of knowledge regarding many, many issues which others had not had that knowledge. So Sahaba would come to find out about things and she would give them the answers. So in any case, Hassan Sabit also came. While he came there, he sat there, he recited some couplet in the praise of Hazrat Aisha also. In any case, when Hazrat Aisha she entertained him also, meaning she didn't ch- give the instruction that he should be chased away. She allowed him to be there. Obviously, he would have been sitting there. He would have been served something to eat, perhaps. Now, somebody else saw this. And they, after he left, they said to us, Aisha, that you allowing this person to come here? Meaning, after whatever he has done, he got caught up in that rumor being spread around, in that slander being spread around, and you are still allowing him to come here? So as Aisha Radiallahu she said two things. One is now because this person, whoever said it, was so to say, feeling like, you know what, you should actually take revenge. You should take revenge, you should punish him in some way, you should re- take revenge from him. Now at that time, when Hazrat Hassan had come there, and this incident took place now, he had become blind due to old age, whatever. So the Aisha just turned the whole story around. She said, well, this poor person, he's already now blind now. What you want to, what you want to hurt him more now? He's done now. Meaning if, if, supposing we wanted to take revenge now, he's already blind, so to say. She's just consoling that person that, look, forget all your feelings now. It's done now. The poor person is already blind now. Leave it now. And then she, made another statement and she said وَقَدْ كَانَ يَرُدُّ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. Aray, He used to defend Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Now she was hurt she was hurt very very seriously she was pained very seriously by it but what is she doing? 
she is in return actually defending the person. Let alone chasing him away, let alone saying something hurtful back to him, let alone many, many other things, what she is doing, she is coming to the defense of the person. And whoever is telling her that, look, why are you allowing this person to come here? She is defending Hazrat Hassan and saying, don't you know that he used to defend Rasulullah he used to recite his couplets and poetry in defense of Rasulullah in other words, we should appreciate that. So now, how can we just forget about all that? Appreciate it. Now she is defending the person who hurt her so seriously. Now this is a heart. This is a heart, not that she just forgot. Well, forget meaning one is that it must never ever come to mind. That is not humanly within anybody's control. Things come to mind. Somebody did something to you, they hurt you in some way, they said something hurtful to you or they took away something that belonged to you wrongfully. So now when you see the person, that will come to mind, because that will trigger the thought of the past, it will trigger. But how does a person handle it from that point? Now this is what is meant to forgive and forget, which has Aisha is teaching us. That you don't focus on it at all, you just dismiss it. Hey, let it go, man. It's all done with. The shaitan now trying to stir something in me. So the Aisha Siddiqah is teaching the same lesson. That don't you know he used to defend Rasulullah In other words, forget that thought. Don't even focus on that thought. Don't even think of the past. You think of this part of the past. This positive part. And this very, very noble part. So when you will think of this noble side of him, then you will forget about all the negatives. And you will be positive. And this will keep you happy. Otherwise, you will boil in your own turmoil. You will boil in your own turmoil. Now, this turmoil comes as a result of how we handle things. And as Aisha Siddiqa is teaching us, radiallahu ta'ala anha, may Allah ta'ala give us the high stages and Allah ta'ala enable us to follow in her footsteps and Allah ta'ala bless us also with a heart like she had that she was so big-hearted and ready to accommodate, ready to take everybody into the positive side of things. So, Aisha Siddiqa on this note is making this, this response. This, the topic that we had actually started off was something totally different, but because it referred to Aisha Siddiqa so these this particular incident now just came in. So just while we on that, just some further thing is coming to mind, is that when she was on her deathbed, she was on her deathbed, this is also a narration of Bukhari Sharif, that she was on her deathbed, and Hazrat Abdullah ibn Abbas, he requested to come in, meaning to come and say some things of consolement. Again, obviously, we got to keep Highlighting this because people sometimes jump to conclusions which are wrong. That this all happened with the complete aspect of parda being maintained. So there would have been a barrier, a curtain, a veil, something that kept things totally separated. 
So any case, he was eventually allowed. In fact, first, when <coughs> he requested permission, so somebody came to us, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala and said that Ibn Abbas radiallahu is here, he wants to come in. So Aisha said, she declined. And why she declined? She said, look, he is going to come in, and Aksha ayyuthniya alayya. That I am concerned that he is going to come and start praising me. Now she foresaw this, that now he is coming, she is very, very sick, she is on her deathbed. So now to console somebody, you will say things that are comforting, things that make a person feel positive. So now she already worked it out, that he is coming on this note, obviously, to make tasalli, taziyat, abal, iyadat, to visit the sick. So he's going to say something comforting, he's going to try to say something comforting in the form of praises of me. So she said, look, I'm concerned he's going to do this, so I don't want him to come here now. Why? Because I don't want to even risk my thoughts going away towards anything that I did this, so I am so and so and I am somebody. In other words, my heart must be fully focused towards Allah Ta'ala. I don't want to have any of this praise in front of me. Now, can we imagine what is our condition that if somebody did not praise us, then we will take a lot of offense. This person didn't say anything. This person didn't say any, It's a different matter that that person should say something within the limits to comfort somebody or to, for the sake of encouraging somebody, for the sake of some kind of acknowledgement, not just empty praises for the sake of just throwing somebody up for no reason. Because when you throw somebody up, then they fall hard also. You shouldn't throw anybody up. But yes, what is something that is factual, something that is to encourage somebody, then some few words of praise in that context is fine, provided that it is, there is no fear of the person getting proud. So in any case, she declined. Then somebody said to her that, look, this is the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He is among the very notable people. So you should consider him, accommodate him. So she finally said, okay. In any case, Ibn Abbas came. So he asked the first question, that how are you? Because that is a sunnah, you ask somebody who is ill, how are you feeling? So she replied, and what her reply was, بِخَيْرٍ إِنِتَّقِيْتُ Every word of these people is a lesson. She said, I am very well, if I have taqwa. To start off with, she didn't make any claims for herself. Yes, I am very muttaqiyya. I have great amount of taqwa. She made no claim. Then she's giving a very, very big lesson. She's saying, if I have taqwa, then I'm well. Meaning the difficulties of my illness, whatever other challenges, all these things don't matter. If I have taqwa, if I have taqwa, it means Allah Ta'ala is pleased with me. Allah Ta'ala is pleased with me, then I'm very well. Regardless of whatever the challenges may be. I won't pay attention to the challenges anymore. I'll be focused towards the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So, the lesson in it is there's no taqwa. If somebody doesn't have taqwa, then that person can't be well. He might be sitting in the lap of luxury, but he is not well. So, the Aisha Siddiqa answered that if I have taqwa, then I'm well. Ibn Abbas, when he heard this answer, so now in order to now console her on this, he said, no, don't worry, inshallah, you will be well. Inshallah, 
you will be well because so now he then went on because and he started saying some things of praise about her you are the wife you are the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam you are the wife of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam together with that you are the only woman that he married who had not been married prior to that otherwise all the other azwaja mutahharat had been previously married so this is a very great uh, virtue in your regard then besides that regarding you Quran was revealed to show your innocence and show your chastity what a great bounty what a great position and status you have been given by Allah Ta'ala. that Quran Sharif was revealed regarding you so any case he mentioned these few things then he left after he left Abdullah ibn Zubair came so Aisha is saying to him that Ibn Abbas was here just now and he began saying some things in praise of me I really wished at that time that I was a forgotten thing this is what she said that I wish I had been a forgotten thing Nasyam Mansiya actually means like sometimes one is a person forgets something but this much he remembers is that I forgot something like for example you forget somebody's name now so now you know okay that person I forgot his name so now you're remembering that you forgot but sometimes you forget certain things you even forget that you forgot person doesn't even cross his mind that I knew this thing previously and now I don't remember it it just clearly goes out of the mind totally out of the mind this is what Nasyam Mansiya means that totally erased this is what she's saying I wish I was a this kind of thing that I was totally forgotten nobody remembered me meaning I quietly could just carry on with my work and meet Allah Ta'ala and not have anybody even knowing me that I even existed. Now this is how far they were from wanting any kind of recognition, any kind of name and fame, any kind of praises of anybody, any kind of pride was not anywhere close to them. Their hearts were totally clear and clean from any kind of vanity, thinking good of oneself, nothing. I am nobody. I am nothing. This is what her quality was. Now this was also part of that big heartedness and that heart filled with taqwa. So any case, this is the incident that we started off talking about and the Ayat karima that we recited. Inshallah, maybe in the coming weeks we might discuss that. But this pertained to Hazrat Aisha Siddiqah So therefore these things came by the way. But Inshallah, there is benefit in all this for us. May Allah wa ta'ala make it a means of my benefit and benefit for all of us and grant us his pleasure and happiness in everything that we do. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallama bima huwa ahlu. Allahumma iftah lana bil khair wa khtim lana bil khair wa ja'al awaqib umurina bil khair. بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة 
ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله